0: what's up you guys the first ever Fightful Feast Sean Ross Sapp, Jimmy Van you might know him <laughs> but you definitely know Chris Van Vliet Chris Van Vliet joining us and what a feast it, it, this is it is a feast <laughs> this man. is my it favorite is. foods here there, there you go pizza, you wanted, man. chicken yeah. specifically requested pizza and, and Jimmy's like well what do you want Sean I didn't know that this fed like a small army yeah. so pizza's
1: almost as large as the table itself yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we, could, we could have just propped up the pizza box on my tripod and kind of like gathered around Seriously. that and, and had a good time. But uh, you're here. We're in Las Vegas, uh, StarCast, Double or Nothing. Uh, not to date this too much, but uh, Chris, you're here gaining interviews. You,
1: you do some of the best in the business. I think. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so I've done a bunch so far this weekend. I had Ryback uh, yesterday, MJF, Joey Janela, um, TJP, and trying to get some more. But uh, this, this weekend's kind of like WrestleMania where everyone... Is like available to do them, sure, right. but also not available at right. all to do them.
0: Yeah, that's what I was telling him. I was like, well, everybody's there, but scheduling can be very,
1: very tough. It's the yeah. best and worst weekend to try to even make something like this happen. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad we were all able to make this happen. Absolutely. I contacted you like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I knew
2: Chris Van Bleet's going to be in demand probably. And the reason I wanted to meet you is because we're from the same area. Yeah. Uh, We were talking via email before this. We've gone to the same independent shows, the same independent promoters. I was throwing wrestling names at you that are not, I don't want to disrespect them, but they're not famous. Uh, And you knew them. Of course. I mentioned like JQ Public and Notorious TID, and you knew those guys? Yep. So I was like, I have to talk to this guy. You know what I mean?
0: I I learned these names because he has footage of them from when he promoted and... We go back. We call some of their matches, and we put it up on huh. our paywall. Yeah. So I'm learning of some of these guys. Like I found out who El Tornado was, yeah, and I'm a huge fan of him. Like I found his dark matches in WWE. Do you remember mm-hmm. him, El-, El Tornado? I do He's know. good. No. Mark, Mark Bartolucci, right? He's got some good stuff. Yeah. But there's like Bobby Roode, Eric Young, you know, the, the usual suspects of in that that yeah. area. Angelina Love, mm-hmm. and then there were guys like Mikey Whipwreck and, and Nova that you brought up as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like when we were talking off the air that that's kind of around the same time, maybe a little bit before, that you were really yeah. getting interested in wrestling.
1: I, I mean, I'm a lifelong fan, but I really got into it like 98, 99, Attitude Era. Right. And my parents hated it. Yeah. Hated it. Like, <laughs> my dad, I would watch it in the basement, and my dad would come down and stand in front of the TV. And be like, you're not watching this. Really? So then I had to get to a point where like, and we've all done this trick before, where you have the last channel button. Uh Uh-huh. So I'd like put it on like the basketball game or hockey game or something. And then as soon as I heard someone walking down the stairs, I'd quickly flick the channel and be like, oh yeah, (laughs) the Leafs are losing. The
0: 11 p.m. Nitro replay was my saving grace for that because my parents went to bed. I wasn't supposed to be watching it. (laughs) I would turn it down. You were one of those kids watched. that
1: had a TV in their room? Hmm. Wow. No kidding,
0: black and white TV. Spoiled still. It was, it was a little black and white TV, wow. but
2: you still have that in and Kentucky now? <laughs> it's, it ain't much better. A
0: flat stream, black and white. I changed the settings just so, just to take me back. I
1: specifically remember my dad calling it pornography. Wow. Was that right? Uh, yeah. Was it
2: because
0: of the broad
1: Panty era? It was, for sure, 98, that, 99, yeah. like yeah. Sable coming out and yeah. you know yeah. the handprints on her boobs and I, you know, and I get it. I get it, and it got slightly better. But yeah. I can understand why parents don't love it, and maybe that's what made me like it even more. Might have been. Did, did they ever come around now that you're you're doing so well? They're they're. I think they accept it now. Mm-hmm. My parents won't watch matches yeah. with me, or certainly go to matches with me, but. Mm-hmm. I kind of behind my parents' back uh, was in a backyard wrestling federation. No way. Yeah, I would pack my bag with, like, knee pads and, like, all my wrestling gear and be like, I'm going to the gym. (laughs) And then one day my mom, like, opened up the bag and was like, you don't need knee pads to go to a gym. And I'm like, "Yep, Chris Sharp is a backyard wrestler. That was my (laughs) name. That was your name? Chris Sharp?
2: Chris Sharp. Were you doing that in Pickering, Ontario,
1: Canada? I was doing that in Pickering, Ontario, Canada in my friend Greg's backyard. What was your finish? It was so ridiculous. I I gotta hear it. I did a Swanton bomb uh-huh, uh-huh. that was set up by. That's incredible. Oh, okay. twisting tombstone. Okay. Which I don't, when you're sixteen, seventeen years old, you shouldn't be. <laughs> the guy's you already. You can pin him already. You shouldn't be doing tombstones anyway. So back then, I remember so
0: like stupid. because Jerry Lynn did the cradle pile driver. Occasionally, somebody else in W or ECW would always just add the cradle to like. The tombstone. Did you ever have to modify it, make it your own, or were you just like I was just, just like rocking with this? I'm
1: glad I wasn't breaking anybody's neck. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, it was. We were on John O'Vision. Do you remember that show? It was it? Yes, I a do. CBC talk show. Yes, a yes. national show. I'm 17 years old. Yes, I have frosted blonde tips, <laughs> and I was on there talking about my backyard wrestling federation, the HCW. Really? really. Oh yeah. Did you want to be a wrestler? I did. I, I wanted to be a wrestler. but That was my dream. Until when? Uh, I went to wrestling school when I was 20. What school did you go to? I went to Squared Circle in Toronto. Yeah. Angelina yeah, yeah. Love was there, oh, at, the nice. on, was there at the time. Tracy Brooks was there at the time. We know all the same people. Do you remember James Champagne? Yes. And who was, tra- who was the trainer? Um, El Fuego, Rob Fuego. Yes. He was the main trainer. Yes. But Chris Chambers and Ash, yes. Ashley Six, as people might know him. Uh, and Chris
2: Chambers has a promotion in Toronto now yep. called Superkick, I think. Yeah, and he's crushing it. Yes. So yes. That, I was there with them. How do I not know you?
1: That's a great question. Yeah, crazy. So I was going there for a couple months, and uh, I was at Wilfrid Laurier University studying communications at the time, yeah. and it was like about an hour drive to go to wrestling school, and it's Tuesday night, Thursday night, all day Saturday and Sunday, right. and it was two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Right. And when you are in college, two hundred and fifty dollars buys a lot of beer, yeah, like yeah. a lot of beer. <laughs> Plus all that driving and stuff. Yeah. And you know, when you're in college, wrestling school is fun, yeah. but also like. I was having fun drinking and going out and yeah. having all kinds of fun in school. Yeah. I, met a guy, my, uh, uh, I met a guy who was at um, Waterloo University, which was just down the street from where I was going to school at Laurier. And uh, he, he goes, uh, there's a wrestler guy on my floor. You should talk to him. So I went to like some party at their dorm. It, it, it ended up being Cody Steele, mm-hmm. who became Cody Diener. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also booked him when he was starting out. Cody Steele, and uh, mm-hmm. he, was, he had like this edge gimmick at the time mm-hmm. almost. And he was going to some wrestling show that weekend, and I'm like, Can I come with you? Can I come? And he's like, uh, The car's full, man. So, sorry. Aww. No way. Because he was going with like fellow wrestlers, and okay. here I was at this like crazy fan. He knows fan. Soul. Oh, he knows Soulview. Have but, you ever him since? No, well, good. I'm, I mean, we
0: interviewed him a few weeks I love ago. Cody. Yeah, I
1: Cody. He's great. Cody, he's all right. Such a good guy. Yeah, He is. He is. No, he just he was like, like no, like I'm riding with wrestlers. You can't just come as a fan. And I think it was, he probably wouldn't even remember this. So
0: I was I was talking to I think it was Kevin Thorne, about how like my childhood was crushed when I got a text from Gangrel that said LMAO with a smiley emoji. <laughs> I was like, man. And Kevin Thorne was like, you know who's a bad one? Bob Holly. Bob Holly is a habitual emoji sender, and I went really? back. Through, I went back through my DMs, and one time Bob Holly like called me out on a story. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Shitty story, Sean," and then I was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll run a correction." He's like, "Thanks, motherfucker," with a smiley face. But it like wasn't the, just a smiley I like that face. That he texts
1: with an accent. Yeah, <laughs> and it had the rosy
0: cheeks on it. Oh, of course! Yes. Wow, like he—he he is a habitual emoji sender. So <laughs> you get these guys like Gangrel and Hardcore Holly. These guys are these brutes, and they're softies. They're really nice guys. How often do you encounter that? Because I mean, you're, oftentimes you're traveling to these people's homes, you're, yeah. you're in their environment.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a fairly recent thing. I was usually just getting um, wrestlers when they came to town to promote something. Sure. Then I was like, you know what? If I can go out of my way and get one of these interviews and it'll you know be viewed by a lot of people, why not? Right. Everyone's nice. Yeah. Honestly, everyone in this industry is so nice because for the most part, most of us started out as fans. There's definitely yeah. like we're in a completely new era of media now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting when you walk up with just a small camera and like a microphone attached to it or something like that. <clears throat> it doesn't have the same cachet as a big TV camera that's mm-hmm. on, your shoulder, on your shoulder, right? And that's that stigma starting to slowly go away. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of guys get it now. I think a lot of them do, right? Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I think that I if someone introduces me as a YouTuber, it's like, oh, that's that's nice kid. That's great. Mm, yeah. But then when I say, actually, I'm a, I'm a journalist, I host a TV show in Florida, and I have this YouTube channel mm. with a bunch of subscribers, like, oh, really? Mm. And like, oh, well, who have you interviewed recently? I'm like, oh, you know, The Rock, John Cena, <laughs> Cody Rhodes. <laughs> a couple Ronos, people. Tony Khan. You know, like, oh, wow. Then they take you seriously. Then they take you seriously. Right. Or, in the best case scenario, they've seen one of your, one of your interviews. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, well, now I'm in.
0: Right. And now it's getting to the point where it's hard to find people who haven't seen your interviews. I mean, that's that's
1: such a blessing.
0: There are stuff, and I mean, there are several people that we've interviewed, that other outlets have interviewed, that it doesn't pick up the same interest via audio as it does when you're sitting there right next to the person with a different background. I saw you mention that about the Justin Roberts interview. You were like... I like this environment. Yeah. I like this. Mm-hmm. How how much does that play a role? In, I
1: I think too many this? people in the uh, in the wrestling world that aren't wrestlers are trying to put themselves over. Mm-hmm. And if you're a wrestler, that makes perfect sense. If you're a, a YouTuber or a podcast person, let the content put you over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to put a big banner up behind me like you know telling everyone who I am. It's like the content should should speak volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you happen to like me from there. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into this idea of being like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. Yeah, I went into it because I liked interviewing wrestlers. Right. I actually was interviewing wrestlers because they'd be coming to town, promoting Raw, SmackDown, whatever. Right. And I would do an interview with them with the TV station. We'd air 20 seconds of a sound bite, which mm-hmm. is what you do in TV. But then we'd have 15, 20 minutes of an interview where I was asking questions I wanted to legitimately yeah. know the mm-hmm. answer to. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no one's going to see this now. Yeah. So I'm just going to throw it on my YouTube channel, which had like four subscribers at the time. Right. And then people just started watching it right. very, very slowly. Yeah, 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 It was actually an interview with uh, The Miz in 2011. He was throwing out the first pitch at the Cleveland Indians game. <laughs> um, CM Punk had just dropped the pipe bomb. Oh, and yeah? Miz said that it was uh, the most exciting time to be a wrestling fan since the Attitude Era. Like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Threw it up on my YouTube channel. Didn't think anything more of it. Woke up the next day. There were 6,000 views on it. That's funny. Like, oh, like one of the websites picked it up. Right. Mm-hmm. The next day I woke up and it had 36,000 views. I'm like, oh, man. I realized that there was something there. Mm-hmm. So just anytime wrestlers came to town, I would do an interview. And now in the last year, year and a half, I've really been. It's really taken off. Yeah. Well, it's because I've been putting the work in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as a, a phrase I say a lot, and it's really defined my life that vague goals get vague results. Yeah. Uh, which means specific goals get specific results. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say, I want to grow my YouTube channel, well, if you get one yeah. more subscriber, mm-hmm. you've grown your YouTube channel. So I set out with a very specific goal. Last year I wanted to do 40 wrestling interviews and hit 100,000 subscribers, which I hit in August. Mm -hmm. This year I said I want to do 50 wrestling interviews and 200,000 subscribers by the end of the year. Mm I'm up to like 32 interviews, and it's May. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And um, I'm at 150,000, and once again, it's May. So like, I'm working towards that specific goal. Right. How did you go from I want to be a pro wrestler
2: in <laughs> in Pickering, Ontario, Canada, to a journalist in where are you at in Florida?
1: I'm in Miami. In Miami, to a journalist in Miami. How did that happen? So when I was in college, um, I kind of had this epiphany one day in my senior year. I woke up and I went. Oh, my God, when we graduate at the end of the year, like, I have to go enter the real world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's, like, nothing prepares you for that. Right now, I'm, like, waking up when I feel like waking up, drinking beer every day, mm-hmm. and going to class if I want to. You know, that's, And college is great, by the way.
2: <laughs> I got I to gotta admit, I don't see you being that guy.
0: Look, you, you, you don't come so off clean cut. Yeah, yeah. So, you
2: don't come off like the beer-filled party, not going to class guy. You, you're like, I'm going to be there at nine o'clock on the dot for this class.
0: Yeah, today.
1: I was. I, I mean, <laughs> I am now, but at the time, it's like, man, ten o'clock classes were early. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Like, that, that was the most important thing I learned from freshman years. Don't oh, yeah. take the eight a.m. class. Never,
1: mm. never. So I had this epiphany that at the end of the year, I was going to have to go work for the next forty, fifty years of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was already, like, chasing after, like, I love my broadcasting class. In high school, I had a communications class where we did television. And I love that kind of stuff. So I was like, well, if I'm going to have to work for the rest of my life, at least I want to do something I don't hate. Mm -hmm. Like, loving it would be amazing, but the bare minimum is I don't want to hate my job. And we all have friends like that who absolutely hate Sundays because Mondays the next day. So I reached out to every radio station in town and every TV station in town and said... Hey, here's who I am. I'm super passionate about broadcasting. I just want to come in and see how it's done in the real world. And there was a Rogers Community Television. Community 10. And everybody uh, there is a volunteer, from running the cameras to VTR to being a floor director to everything. Mm -hmm. So I was in there, like doing some sort of stuff behind the scenes. A TV station said, Yeah, you can be on our street team, hand out like stickers at events and stuff like that. And then 570 News, a radio station that was affiliated with 680 News, Mm -hmm. the big radio station in Toronto. Said, well, we don't take on volunteers, but how would you like a job? Wow, that's fantastic. Okay. (laughs) Like, you'll be a board operator. You push the buttons on the board. um, It only pays $8 an hour. Mm -hmm. Well, it's $8 more than I thought I was (laughs) going to be making. So here I am in college. I already have two volunteer jobs and a paying job for $8 an hour. Mm -hmm. From there, I was like, i got to line up an internship. I uh, basically begged my way into getting an internship in Peterborough, Ontario. Uh Checks TV. Home of Bobby Roode. No, oh, okay. that's right. I'm yeah. a Bobby Roode. Yeah. I uh, I emailed them and I said uh, I'm interested in coming by for an interview. I'm gonna be in Peterborough next week. Uh, it's it's spring break for me, which was a total lie. I wasn't gonna actually be in Peterborough because nobody goes there on purpose. Nothing wrong with Peterborough. <laughs> it's just it was an hour drive. <laughs> they drive through it to get somewhere else. Basically. Yeah, it's so like the cottage country. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So uh, he's like, well, if you're gonna be here next Thursday, you might as well come by. See you at ten. And he said, we don't take um, on interns that aren't affiliated with school program, but your resume like, seems like you're a real go-getter. Um, I'd, I'd love to bring you on as an intern. And I kind of like, I talked my way into that internship. And when I was an intern there, like two weeks in, I was following reporters and watching them report. And then two weeks in, my assignment planner said, here's your story for the day. Oh. And I said, oh, cool. Like, which reporter am I going out with? He goes, you're going out with Terry, but this is your story today. You're going to be on the 6 o'clock news. Wow. It was my uh, 21st, 22nd birthday, mm-hmm. uh, that was May 19th, 2005, I was on TV for the first time, mm-hmm. and it just kind of snowballed from there, and I just yeah. kept chasing after things, I kind of talked my way into, into an interview in Vancouver to host a show called 969 on MTV2 mm-hmm. in Canada, same thing, I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Vancouver next week, you should, uh, you should have me in for an interview, Vancouver's like a five-hour flight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're like, well, if you're going to be here, and that's how I got that job. So it was Peterborough to Vancouver (coughs) to Toronto, uh, then into Cleveland, and now Miami. Just, you know... All driven by the idea of, I don't want to hate my job. Right. Are you saying you LeBron
0: James it? You left Cleveland for Miami? (laughs) You did. They can't hold on to anybody.
1: It was a straight-up trade, because LeBron came (laughs) back to Cleveland, and I went to Miami. You were one of the draft picks. That's right. It was one for one. Yeah. 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 I I don't know who got the better end of the deal. Yeah. (laughs) So
2: let me ask you this question. So uh, When you were doing the interview with Justin Roberts, one thing I found interesting, and I don't want to necessarily put you on the spot, but... You said that your dream was to work for WWE. Mm -hmm. I have my own story, which maybe I'll tell you off the air. Uh, But your dream was to work for WWE, and then you listened to his book. Yeah. Has your opinion changed?
1: Yeah, for sure. And we didn't really get into it a lot in the interview with Justin. Yeah. But, I mean, Justin talks about how you're, like, super micromanaged in WWE. And, you know, I'm sure lots of people have different stories about WWE. But Mm -hmm. I just interviewed Dasha Fuentes last week. who is bubbling over with personality Mm -hmm. and you know her on TV as the Dasha bot, Mm -hmm. you know, like super robotic and flat with her questions and I'm like, if they could turn someone like that, like she has more personality than anyone I've ever met, if they could turn someone like that into, you know, an emotionless interviewer, like what's this whole process? That was was the talk of our
0: group chat. We were like, what? How was that Dasha? Like, we, we couldn't quite understand it. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah, and she was she was phenomenal.
1: So I think for me, it's like, WWE was always the goal. First, obviously, as a wrestler. Then, I wanted to be a ring announcer. I applied many, many times. Really? Um, this was when I was still living in Canada. And I remember getting an email back from them, and they went, do you have a visa to work here? And I'm like, no, but I can get one. Which is, <laughs> you can't just yeah. get a visa like that. Like, it's quite a lot of process, yeah. a long process. So he, just... His opinion and and his experience did change things for me a little bit. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people leave WWE and don't have great things to say about it. Yep, and
2: uh, I I think a lot of people lose their passion for wrestling. Yeah. right. And again, I don't want to disrespect WWE. No, me neither. A lot of people love WWE. And I'm a giant WWE fan. Yeah, yeah, and I feel the same way. But you know Art O'Kal. Of course. Right? Yeah, Kyle Edwards. Kyle Edwards. Yeah. And, And for anybody that doesn't know, so in the Toronto media scene, Renee Young... Uh, More Rinaldo, Arda Ocal, who was Kyle Edwards, uh, Chris Van Lee, all from the same local area. Yeah, and Jimmy Corderas was on that and show too. And Jimmy Corderas too. Yeah. too. And and uh, so Renee now is in WWE, and in Toronto she was almost becoming iconic. Yes. And it seemed like it was a matter of time before she went there. I finally got it open. Jeez, that was the wrestling <laughs> match in itself, man. But with with Arda,
1: this is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently.
2: He works for uh, Madison Square Garden now.
1: Yeah. Right? And he's doing a lot of like live event like gaming stuff. Right. right. Yeah, it was actually... I had a bunch of conversations with Arda, because mm-hmm. I knew him in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, look, man, you've always talked about WWE. You should finally just reach out to them and have your own experience with them. Right. So, I, I don't know. You know, I'm you, really...
2: You, you understand that you are... You're the prototype of what they go after, right?
1: <laughs> I, was, I was looking I'm at that and I was Like, uh, man, the struggle <laughs> continues. Jeez. Uh,
0: yes, I've heard that. Yeah, um, they will
2: come calling if that's if that's your interest. I
0: don't know. I so don't, have they? Have, have any companies? Because I mean, we've seen people who do something at least similar to you, like Alicia Atal, like she does right. Andi, and she's been on Impact and AEW. I, and I,
1: I think Alicia really chased after that. No? Yeah, and I don't know her that well, even right. though she is also from the yep. same Toronto circle. Yep. Uh, but I think Alicia really chased after those opportunities. Um, I mean, I've I've uh, I've chatted with WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, did, they just don't have anything available right now. Right. I would ideally like to be in the Sam Roberts Rosenberg type of okay. position. Okay. If I could be a panelist, get that heat. I, I, I don't <laughs> want to get heat. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Sam's thing. I mean, Sam's I'm like, getting heat. Yeah. I'm like, man.
0: I, I wonder how that would work because. Sam is a bit of a heat magnet outside of WWE, but his interviews are fantastic. They now. are, yeah. And Rosenberg's were too, but they would often say things that would conjure up heat. You're not like that. I don't see no, you.
2: You don't argue with
0: people. None of that.
2: I always question how much of that was a work.
0: Oh, what? Like
1: this? when Sam Roberts is ripping Bianca. Belt oh, that—that that that for sure. It's gotta be. It's gotta. Be. Yeah, it I is. don't think there's anything that happens in WWE that happens without someone's approval. Right. So right. I think when he did that, it was like, let's make him. I no? Everybody hates him already. It's but he's got. I mean, the character. company. That's what doesn't make sense. But WWE goes. When you're within our walls, right. you're mm-hmm. our character. Right. Yeah. So I, look, I don't know. I, I really enjoy what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I've got a TV show. I have my own fishing company. Okay, I'll, let's talk about that. Tell us about that. And then I've got the YouTube channel. So, yeah.
2: uh, you're, so you, you might be familiar with the Saint Lawrence River, of from back home. Yeah. So I have a cottage on the Saint Lawrence. Wow, some of yeah. the best
1: smallmouth bass fishing in yeah. the world. So, are you inviting me up there?
2: I mean, if he, wow. he jokes about it sometimes, yeah, I, he, I, he jokes about I, it. Have smallmouth island. fishing there's so good. So, did your love of that come from back home, yes. or because you're
1: in Miami, obviously, where there's water? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I, I'm. Strictly freshwater bass fishing. Okay. Yeah, so I, no, I've i been fishing bass tournaments since I was 14 years old. Okay. Yeah, and uh, if you're familiar with Ontario, in the Kawartha Lakes. Yeah. It's like Sturgeon Lake and Scugog were some of the big ones. Cameron, and I fished. Rice Lake. Uh, and I was just bass fishing all throughout my, like, 14 till probably 22-ish, 23-ish, every single summer. Okay. Like okay. Every single weekend. And uh, my bass fishing partner was like, Hey, I'm going to buy some tungsten fishing weights. You're going to the beer, by the way. Oh, you're still working. Uh, yeah, I'm still working. You're still I'm talking <laughs> too much. <laughs> yeah. All right. He said, "I'm going to buy some new tungsten fishing weights." And for someone who doesn't know anything about fishing, if you're fishing with like a plastic craw or plastic worm, they float because they're made of plastic. Right. Mm-hmm. So you need something to sink them down. Usually a lead weight. Right. Lead's not very good for the environment. Yeah. Lead's also very big. Tungsten's dense and better for the environment. So he's like, "I'm going to buy these tungsten fishing weights." Um. They're really inexpensive, but I think that they're because they're so inexpensive, I think you could start a company. And we started running some numbers and looking at things, and next thing you know, we had a company. Really? And it's called Woo! Tungsten. <laughs> Partly because of my love of pro wrestling, yeah. Yeah. but also because when you catch a giant bass, you're like, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so how's it doing? Is it doing well? Yeah, it's doing great. Like, really well. We've grown mainly through Instagram marketing it's and awesome. Facebook. From zero to 130,000 followers That's on Instagram amazing. in awesome. two years. Yeah. So explain
2: the business. So you sell fishing supplies? Yeah.
1: Tungsten fishing weights, okay, which it. is like an accessory. Right. And we sell like rod wraps and lure wraps, like other things like that. But yeah, it's basically just, you know, terminal tackle. Do you have know. brick and as well? We do not. Okay. It's all online. It's all e-commerce. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good for
2: you, man. Um, How did you feel when you were able to get Cena, who is typically off limits to online oh, interviews? Yeah.
1: That was, a, that was a really, really special thing. Yeah. And the story behind that is it was actually Tyler Perry that made that interview happen. That's amazing. So I've interviewed Tyler Perry many, many times. He's been so incredibly kind to me. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, Tyler's really motivated me to kind of take the next step in my career. Yeah, Tyler got us Cody Diener. <laughs> wow, such a good guy. <laughs> but I've been... Uh, <laughs> Tyler, I, I, I first did an interview with him like four-ish, five-ish years ago. And after the interview, um, I saw him the next day on the red carpet. This is for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the one that Seamus is in. Okay. Yeah. So I saw him on the red carpet, and he knew my name, knew how to pronounce my name, knew that I wore fun socks. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? I'm like, I, 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 how do you even know how to say my name? He's like, <laughs> I do research on the people that I think are good. And I'm like, oh, very nice. all right. That's so prominent. we did our interview, and then I watched him do the rest of his interviews on the red carpet. And I followed him off. I said, Tyler, you just blew my mind. He's like, what do you mean? Why? And I'm like, because you, like, how do you know about me? He's like, we'll be in touch. And I'm like... It's fantastic. Okay. So uh, he was he's casting this TV show with a TV reporter character, and he said that when I walked into the room for the interview for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, it was like the character he had written came to life. And I was like, oh, my God. So my agent's like, he wants you to read for this role. It's in Atlanta in three weeks. It's two days of filming, and he's going to pay you, like... A Substantial amount, yeah. Of money. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. She's like, Uh, he asked if it'd be okay if uh, if I gave uh, his, your number to him. I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's okay, sure. And then he like texted me, and my work actually wouldn't let me do it. No way, wow, yeah, which is crazy because the TV show I was on in Cleveland was like, Yeah, more you know, better for us. Yeah, Our yeah, person's yeah, out yeah. there promoting the station, yeah, yeah. My station just wasn't that interested in it and I'm like I, how am I going to tell Tyler Perry that like I'm not allowed to do his TV show right. you basically found me and now I can't do it one thing led to another we still kept in touch and I think when I saw him for uh oh, it was Medea Funeral mm-hmm. movie, movie came out earlier this year I finished the interview and I texted him and said hey, thanks you're always so kind to me I really appreciate it and he goes you're, you're so much better than just doing local news It's like I just see bigger things for you and I'm like, oh, I really love my job. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time doing it. Yeah. And he goes, I just think that, you know, there's bigger things you could be doing if you want to do them. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I got this YouTube channel. And I sent him a link. He's like, oh, my God, that thing's huge. He's like, would you ever want to do an interview with John Cena? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, uh, no. don't. don't twist my <laughs> arm or anything. But. I remember it distinctly. I was boarding an airplane. And I said, of course I'd want to do an interview with him. And I didn't hear back from him for like five minutes, and then he te- texted me a screenshot of him with John, texting with John Cena, and it was, it was John going, uh, yeah, I've seen his stuff before, I'll be in uh, New York for WrestleMania, tell him to reach out to me. That's amazing. Followed by Tyler going, I just gave John your number, he'll text me. <laughs> and then I see a little bloop, and it's John Cena going, hey Chris, this is John, a mutual friend, had really nice things to say about you. This is my number, let's set something up in New York. I was like, oh my God, like, I think this is actually going to happen. Good for you, man. And he goes, don't uh, make sure to follow up with me. Um, don't feel like you're annoying me. I, I get forgetful sometimes. Right. Okay. So I followed up with him and he's like, yep, tomorrow at this specific gym, this specific time. And that's when we did the interview. And he walks up and he goes, I've got 10 minutes. Right. Okay, great. So we did the interview. About the 10 minute mark, I'm like, I want to be super respectful of your time. Okay. Thank you so much. He reaches into his pocket, pulls out his phone, and goes, you, you still got more time. Yeah. Wow. And then he did that again. Like, it was like a 25-minute yeah, yeah, interview. Yeah.
0: A brutally honest interview. Yeah. Yes.
1: I mean, as honest as we've ever seen Cena. Ever. Yeah. 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 I mean, to the point, I mean,
0: quite frankly, we don't hear him cursing a lot either. Right. right. That was a surprising aspect mm-hmm. of that to me. And when he was, I, I don't remember the exact terms, but talked about turning chicken shit into chicken salad. Yes. I was like, okay, he's very aware Whereas sometimes you think that maybe he isn't as aware. But yeah. what, what do you contribute that to or attribute that to? Do you think maybe it's the time off that's led to him thinking that? What think, vibe did you get?
1: I think part of it was the fact that we both had Tyler Perry in common. Yeah. I think that that helped. Like, oh, it's a friend of a friend now. Like, yeah. And I think that if Tyler was putting in that good word for me, I think that he felt like I can, A, do this interview and, B, maybe speak more openly than I normally would. Right. I also think that he's, if you watch that interview again, he's looking at his career in the rearview mirror. Agreed. And I think that he can look back and go, I had some great times. Mm-hmm. I learned you know, this, and I learned this, and now I want to do this. And I felt like it was a really interesting, almost legacy interview. It mm-hmm. was. And yeah. guys
0: like that are often very careful about how their words will be disseminated. Mm-hmm. They don't want mm-hmm. you to take anything out of context. And just so much of that was just, I, I was just shocked. It's, it's a scene that we have not seen. God damn. That we haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> that we haven't seen before.
1: The cool thing is he texted me after and was like, and thanked me for it. So I want to read this. Because it, like, it blew my mind that we were leaving there. and yeah, that, Show it on screen. <laughs> that, that way we get his number, too. That way we get
0: numbers, too. Yeah, we the last it.
1: thing he said was, um, well, actually, this was pretty funny. So I got to the gym, and it's, it was like a private gym <laughs> in the middle of Manhattan. And I'm standing there, and I don't know where he is. I figured he was in, like, the shower or something. And he texts me and says, I'm here. Boss, I don't have much time, and I don't see you. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so then after the interview, he said, great interview, man. Thank you for adapting to my schedule. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, you're, you're welcome, John Cena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
0: awesome. I mean, we talk about schedules. How often do you travel to a place and interview falls through does that ever happen
1: it doesn't happen often because um, i'm traveling somewhere with the full intention that i'm going there just to get this interview yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of times it's driving i live in south florida so orlando's about a three-ish hour drive mm-hmm. away tampa's a four yeah. hour drive away when i went to jacksonville with tony it's a five-ish hour drive One away way, right
2: yeah. Yeah, one And you did that just straight, five (laughs) hours, did the interview five back, just like that.
1: That's right. Uh, Yeah. Because I knew I had to get it up quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was actually editing it in the car. This is all the stuff people don't see. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of people see my interviews on YouTube and just think like, oh, this guy just hangs out with wrestlers all day. (laughs) I've got a lot of other stuff going on. I just love wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll edit the interviews as I'm driving. Right. Like the that's 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 safe. Uh, someone else someone else is driving okay i have a tesla it drives itself sometimes well, go, sometimes
0: it's uh, the person <laughs> you're interviewing driving you i saw rhino driving you right. what a nice guy
1: he picked uh, me up from the airport another too. brutally <laughs>
0: honest guy yes. who is under wwe contract told you the amount more well vaguely the amount more and basically laid out a plan which what sounds like he wants to be the indies next pco He's like, I'm going to lose 30 pounds, I'm going to wrestle really hard for three years, yep. and then I'm going to wind it down. Wants to
1: put people over and find new talent. It's amazing. Good for him. So Rhino called me up specifically and said, I'm uh, I'm not renewing my WWE contract, and I want to do an interview now before word gets out otherwise. Yeah. I want to get the truth out there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I know you're the right guy to do it. I'm like... That's outstanding. Thank yeah, you. Wow. sure, yeah. It was a Saturday, and I go... Uh, What's your schedule look like? He's like, oh, I'm just here at the marina, because he runs a marina now, <laughs> runs a marina. I said, what about Monday? I could fly into Detroit, mm-hmm. be there for like six hours, and then I would fly back that same night. And he's like, yeah, sure. So I went into work, uh, saw, saw the schedule, and it worked with my work schedule. I took the day off and made it happen. Good for you, man. Yeah, and, and you guys saw, you know, he put it all out there. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: he was he was very, I mean... These guys in WWE who are getting these gigantic offers and still yeah. turning them down—that's that, yeah. kind of amazing. I mean, and he, he wasn't wrong. Like right before that, the revival news had dropped, mm-hmm. and when we found out that info, we were just trying to fish out who JR was talking about. He said there was a five hundred thousand dollar man who was in his early thirties, not on TV, and got offered a half a million dollars and stayed. And we were just trying to figure that out, and we got the revival news fishing for that and then shortly after that the rhino stuff drops and it's like man all this money's being thrown around ty dillinger too ty dillinger was offered a ton of money and these guys are still passing it up and not just that they're going on the record about some of the 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 issues even when they're happy with the company Mm -hmm. they're still going on the record about issues it really is a time in media we haven't seen before in wrestling
1: it's a fascinating time and I don't ever go into these interviews looking for a scoop. I'm not trying to make a mm-hmm. clickbait title. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And if they say something interesting, of course I'll make my title something you'll want to click on. But I don't go into this going, all right, like... Rhino shoots hard at the marina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I notice that you don't do clips either. Because some people now, will want to pull the clips out. You
2: just do one full thing. And like the reason
1: that. I don't do clips... And there's, you know, there's all kinds of different theories on what works on YouTube and yeah. what doesn't. The yeah. reason I don't do clips is because I don't want one clip from my interview to get... 200,000 views and another clip get 4,000 views right I'm just gonna throw it all out there and you take of it what you want to take out of it right and that's just kind of been my my way of doing it I don't want to tell you what's interesting right I don't want to you know clip three or four minutes out of it and tell you that this is more important than another three or four minutes I want to put it all up there I don't edit anything right Right. I didn't edit out when Cody Rose was looking for his cell phone in our interview last (laughs) week he lost his cell phone during the interview and we, we searched for it for like two minutes it's a, it's you know, it's humans being humans. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. we're all humans. Absolutely. Yeah. What made you
2: start putting a clip of your interview before your video intro? I mean, that's, that's a
1: fantastic idea. Is that is that keeping people on for the ten seconds or whatever it is? No. It had nothing to do with an algorithm oh, or anything okay, like okay. that. It's it's the T V thing. It's that's a tease, right? Yeah, right, right, right. And I don't I when I did it the first time, I actually don't remember what interview it was. I'll have to go back and check this. It was just to like hook people because before I was starting with my logo mm-hmm. and then into like the, the warm up chat then into the first question and then into the conversation this way if I show you something in the first 10 seconds that's really like interesting right. you'll go well now I gotta see why he said that yeah, right, 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 and that's the whole reason Right, that's cool.
2: Yeah. So what is your career objective now? Do you want to do the wrestling thing full time? Do you want to try to make it full time?
1: I think that I want to keep putting a lot more effort into the wrestling thing, Yeah. because it is very rewarding. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. That's just, you know, with anything in life. I still want to host, uh, I love hosting the show I'm on right now. And And plug it, because people might not know it. Yeah, I'm on a show called Deco Drive in Miami, we're on the Fox affiliate, Uh, and I've been able to do so many amazing things on Deco Drive. I was just interviewing Tom Cruise last summer in Paris for Mission Impossible 6 in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower. Awesome. I've been to the Oscars four times and the Grammys five times. I've won four Emmy Awards. I still love television, right. but I think that it'd be a little short-sighted to not realize that you know, the medium's shifting and changing so much mm-hmm. that if you don't have your hand in a lot of other things, you're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. So I want to continue doing this and see where it takes me.
2: Now I had said to you off the air, do you even still do the movie jump? It's because you don't post the videos. What was the reason? It's because you want to become more known online for the wrestling interviews.
1: YouTube and the internet in general are so niche driven. So every time I posted uh, a movie interview, even if it was incredibly interesting or if there was scoops in there for whatever movie it was, I would lose a bunch of subscribers. No way. Because there's all the wrestling fans going. I don't care that's about why we, that's this. why I
0: switched to doing MMA. Right. channel because they were getting so sick. Isn't of, that interesting? Yeah. Even for movies, interesting.
1: And I will still on occasion, like if it's a big enough movie, like some of my most viewed interviews are Batman versus Superman right. or Justice League, like those ones have over well over a million views. Right. And a lot of my wrestling ones don't. So I will only make the exception for those now. But when I post a movie interview, the comments <laughs> are like, this isn't a wrestling yeah, wow. and those are like predominantly what people are saying for the first day or two yeah. until the movie. People find the interview, right? So it was just like if if the internet's niche driven, I'm going to go all in on wrestling. Right. So pun intended. As yeah. as we wrap up,
0: uh, I'm sure most people know how to find you already. If they don't, let it let them know. It's just my name
1: at Chris Van Fleet V A N V L I E T. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and of course YouTube. Uh, I'd love it. if you've ever watched one of my videos. I'd love if you subscribe. That'd be great. Well, we
0: want to thank you for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Jimmy and I both admire your work. We think you, you do just such a great job. Likewise, and I
2: consider you the best in that in, in your niche in terms wow. of the one-on-one and, interviews. I consider wow. you the best yeah. in your niche for sure. And I think a lot of guys. I think the reason that that you're doing so well, aside from the work ethic, is because no ego. You know what I mean. You're a humble guy. I, you're think, not you're not about yourself. I think that you're, goes you're, a long way. Yeah, you know? it's the talent.
1: Yeah, I always want to put them over,
2: especially know? when Margot Robbie's hitting on you. <laughs> you you know. Yeah. But you you kept your ego in check on that stuff. I I
0: respect that. Not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Margot, who? Uh,
1: I'll end on this. I think the biggest thing that I keep in mind is I realize nobody is clicking on one of my videos to see me talk. I am fully aware that you are there to see the guest. And that's completely okay. If you happen to subscribe because you like some of my questions, that's all right. But I think that that's a big difference. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are out for themselves. And they're trying to make a name for themselves and put themselves over. This is why I me mean
2: as as the owner of Fightful, I was behind the camera for him yesterday at Stark There
1: you go.
0: <laughs> Jimmy Van. Well guys, we hope you enjoyed the first Fightful Feast. Feast,
1: feast.
0: feast! <laughs> Jimmy's going to have a lot of pizza left over. Yes, I am. But we we hope that uh, you enjoyed the first ever Fightful Feast and I don't know if it'll make the cut, but hopefully he'll join us for the first fuckful feed. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, until next time, we're out.